statement of faith very quickly, and then stand. I'm going to ask for participation with me a lot today, so, uh, so I'm going to need your help. Let's go ahead. Statement of faith. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I am a believer. I'm sorry, I can do what it says I can. I am a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, the word of God. Stay standing. Val, can you go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30? 1 Samuel, put those scriptures, verse 1 through 9. And I'll ask you all to read along with me on the screen. So what else would she put on the screen? Just read with me. There's a lot of participation today. Okay, one, two, three, read and read. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there. From small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters, had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lift up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his son and his daughter. But David strengthened himself in the, in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Thank you, Striving. You may be seated. You read well. Thank you. Amen. Amen. And Val, let's go ahead and turn to 1 John 10 and 10 as I go ahead and set the stage. So as you look at this, as Val pull up 1 John 10 and 10, I just want to be aware of life. In life, what we call it is how do you win life? So we in life, we live life, but how do we actually win life? And life is something that we all struggle and try to win each day. We win the day, win the moment, win the hour, and we win the day. So, but whatever we do in life, there are some times things happen in life where it just happens. Sometimes we cause it, sometimes stuff happens. JP, there could be an accident that some family lost someone because of accident. It just happened. So if we start looking at life as they pull first, as they put John 10 and 10 up, and we know that scripture, they don't get a chance to do it, we'll go ahead, you know. And that scripture says, Jesus said he came to, Jesus said he, the enemy came to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said he came that you may have life and life more abundantly. 
as you look at these texts today and look at life, you've got to always stay with those two things about, about, about life. Jesus came to do what? Give you life and more life and life more abundant. The enemy came to do what? Take life. Came to steal, kill, and destroy. So when you look at your life, you've got to always realize there are two things going on in your life. Either you either you can subscribe to the one where I'm going to have a life and life more abundantly, Sister Jesse, or you're going to subscribe to one, or you're going to be complacent and let the enemy steal, kill, and destroy. So there's never a time in life that you can be complacent. In my TV world out there, internet world, I ask that you, I know you may be multitasking, but I think in this sermon today, I think I can present something that may change your whole life because they have mine as we start getting into, this, getting into the text. So when you look at this text from David now, we start talking about David. Remember the two things? The enemy came to do what? Steal, kill, destroy. Jesus said he came to have life and life more abundantly. And, and I don't want you to go to sleep on me. So what I may do, you may keep you awake. If I sell this side, this side, if I point on this side, they're going to say holla. And this side going to say lula. So that way I keep you awake. So if I start moving my hand, I say holla, lula. If I raise this fist, this hand say, God is good. They say all the time. So you don't stay, so you can stay awake with me, okay? So if I point, if I point at you, I just want you to remember what you got to say, right? Let's try it again. There you go. You're awake. You're awake. I tried to trick you, but you're awake. You got it. So let's set the stage. And Val, you can go ahead and start the timer now, too, because I'm about to get into the text. And I made a decision that I'm going to try to get, get this text done in about 35 minutes. So I'm going to try. But normally when I taught this, this was just like a three-part series. So I'm going to try to get three parts into one part. So I'm going to ask you later on to go back and look at, look at it again, because I'm going to go past. Or you go back and meditate on something. There's about four sermons in here, believe it or not, this whole text 1 through 30. But let's talk about what happens in battle start of the clock. So as you look at the key verses here, you know, 1 Samuel chapter 30, and you know the main character in that verse, there's a narrative. A narrative is, a, is a, a, in my memory school, there's a narrative. You have a plot, you know what you have a plot, you have a background, you have a setting, you have main characters, right? And you, so in this story here, this main character in this story, as we know, is David. So when you look at this, before you pick up 30, you got to understand where David came from to get to chapter 30. So we know that David, and we know that David, 1 Samuel chapter 20, that David was, had been, 1 Samuel chapter 16, that David had been anointed by Samuel to be king, eventually be king. We got that, right? So David had already been a destiny of his life major to be king. So you got to understand that each and every one of you have a destiny of your life. Even though you may be in your 70s, even though you may be in your 80s, there's still a destiny there if you choose life. But if you choose to be complacent and you choose to, be, and you choose to be, and slow it down, guess what? Life slows down the enemy steals it. And the enemy will destroy it. And the enemy, when the battle of life, the enemy wants to get you to a point that you have no more energy, that you just look forward to doing nothing. Because the enemy wants to steal it. And the enemy has a bought into it, too, that when we get, the more we let's do, the better we are. That is a lie. The best thing, Sister Jess, to tell you, all we got to do is stay active, right, Sister Jess? So let's follow this story. So we know that David had destiny, brother. We know that. So, but we also know then in around chapter 20 of that story that King Saul, King Saul wanted to kill David. 
We know that. Remember that David ran for King Saul around 1 Samuel chapter 20. We know that. And we know that, that David started having favor with God around 1 Samuel chapter 20 all the way to about chapter 30. That David started having favor with God. They, people, people hid David. People cooked for David. David had men coming. David, even in 1 Samuel chapter 23, you're going to find out this ain't the first time David inquired of the Lord. So David had favor. And then David had so much favor that if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 28, that David, King Achish, Achish an enemy of David, gave, allowed David to live with them and move David to what you call Ziklag. In other words, when even David land, but the king allowed David to live in Ziklag. So, so uh, John tells, so as David found favor, but then in chapter 30, some, but chapter 28, David wanted to go out with the Philistine to fight Saul, and then in chapter 29, Saul said, I'm not going to touch David no more. I'm not going to run at David no more because David was the enemy. David was feeling good because he didn't have to, Saul won't chase him no more, and they knew that time the Philistine had about a thousand chariots, and Israel didn't have any chariots at all, so we knew eventually Saul was going to lose that battle against the Philistine, and David knew that. But David knew that, so David was feeling fine, man, and everything was going well. But then chapter 30 came. And chapter 30 came, and this is where we picked up at chapter 30. Everything was going well in David's life. David's seen it, pastor. But then chapter 30, that's when chapter 30 hit. That's when you get the phone call. That's when you get the phone call. That's when you have a choice whether I'm going to continue to end life to win it, or I'm going to retreat to myself and, don't, and, don't, and, and just... And don't do anything. So let's pick up the story here. So David, let's, let's see what we can learn from this text as we can. There's a lot we can learn from David in this text, uh, Pam. And one thing we can learn from David in this text that Dave, you know what happened in, in chapter 30. First thing is that David, he had gotten so complacent that he had stopped talking to God because he already thought he had it. Things were so good that David didn't even want to talk. David said, I don't have to pray no more. Because things are good. But guess what? As soon as you think things are good, that's when the enemy sneaks in attack. As soon as you think you can let up in your prayer life, that's when the enemy seeks in attack. As soon as you think that I got it made right now, that's when the enemy sneaks in attack. See, David, what David failed to do, Sister Jessica, if you look at first, if you look at first chapter 23, David inquired of God on some things. And David kept inquiring of God in 1 Samuel chapter 23. I won't go in detail because I'm saving time on what he did, but two times he inquired of God. He put on that ephah and he asked God questions and God gave him specific answers. So this is good to know that David knew that we had inquired of God a lot. You said, let's make it plain. Let's make it plain, 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 plain a little bit. So here's what we do, right? So when we go on a long trip to New York and we'll head to New York right now, what first thing we would do? We'll grab together and say, let's pray. But as soon as we, but we're going to the store, which is two minutes away, we won't pray. But even though we know accidents happen within five, most accidents happen within five miles of your home, but we got complacent. Because we say we got it. Because it's only two minutes away. And that's how we'll start doing things in our life with our kids. See, if you leave a thing uncovered, a weakness, the enemy would attack. And you can't allow, as you fight battle of life, you can't have any weakness out there because he was attacked. So while David worried about Saul, the Amalekites came, Sister Jess, and they came and took David's entire family, the men, family, and everyone else, all his warriors, took everything. And they burned everything, but, but guess what? Grace abounds. 
because technically, Brother Latham, they supposed to have buried, they supposed to have killed the wives and kids and everyone else. But God, in the midst of things are bad, it can be worse. And it won't worse is because God allowed the Amalekites not to kill the wife, kids, and everyone else. So even though David made a mistake because he didn't leave any men back to protect the camp while he was gone, he, God still allowed favor in his life to allow the enemy to allow his wife and children to still live. So let's pick up that story there in verse 1, verse 1 through 6. So we already know the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And destroy. We already know that. But then in that story, so suggests in verse 1 through 5, then the men that David was with, so they got mad. In fact, they wanted to stone David. In fact, they wanted to kill David. Now let's talk about these 600 men a little bit here, because we're going to call them in, in First Chronicles chapter 12, those men were called friends. In other words, David said, I'm going to let you in. I'm going to let you in my camp. 200 of those men. 200 of those men, were, they were warriors. That's why you ever heard the word mighty men of valor. valor? It's come from that. 200 of those men were mighty men of valor. They was awesome. They came from Israel army, Saul army. They defected over to David. 400 of those men, the first 400 he got in, in Exodus chapter, I mean, in 1 Samuel chapter 22, and those men he got, Sister Jesse, he put them up. But he, when he picked them up, suggest they were in debt, they were disillusioned, they were running from, they were running from people. Those were some bad men. They were in trouble, so they, they defected to David. So you got 400 men that say, hey, we just, Dave, we just ain't with you. We ain't got nowhere to go. The other 200 men say, look, we with you, the mighty men of value. We're going to defect. We with you. And then the 200 men said this, though. Watch it. They said in Chronicle, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, they said, David, we're your friends. Watch this word, Sister Jess. So Sister Jess, they were their friend, but now David screwed it up. They want to kill David. So let's talk about what is a friend versus an acquaintance. So everybody is not your friend. They may be your acquaintance. And I have a lot of acquaintances, because what we typically do with acquaintances is, do acquaintances, somebody that got similar things I like, they may be my acquaintance. Some of the things, we may go to the mall together, we may go run together, we may go, my acquaintance, we may like the same thing, or we may work together, they can be my acquaintance. Nobody on my job is my friend, they are my acquaintance, because we got something in common, we got one mission to go together, in fact, right? So, it, now my friend is somebody that I can say, if I need something, they're going to be there for me, and the times are hard, major, they're going to be there for me. And tell me your friends will suggest, you can ask your friend anything. You, right now, you know who your friends are, because if you need money, you know who you can ask. You, you know who your friends are. Even though you got many acquaintances, you feel comfortable asking your friend. Am I right? Let, can we go a little bit deeper with that friendship? So in relationship times, can I go a little relationship? So oftentimes women, TV land, young people out there, and I told them the other night, they know this, your acquaintance, guys want to be your acquaintance with friends' benefits. We, guys, oh, you want to say it again? Guys want to be your acquaintance with friends' benefits. So they pretend to be friends. They actually are acquaintances. But we don't, don't let's not pick on the guy. We got men saying, we got, we got people all over that say they're your friend, but they, they, they really in an acquaintance state as for benefits. So here's, here's what's going on here. They were David's friend as long as things was good because they were getting benefits. They were being protected. They were being secure. But as soon as things went bad, they became David's 
acquaintance. You, you, you feel me? So you can feel me now. So in life, David is teaching us this. You got to know who your acquaintances are and you got to know who your friends are in life. Now, we know this. Why? Can, can you can let me talk? So a lot of times I struggle with this, right? I struggle with, was Jesus my friend or my acquaintance? Because I wanted a lot from Jesus as a friend. But when Jesus wanted something back, I didn't want to give it to him. So am, I'm asking Jesus to just, just be, be, pretend I'm Jesus' friend, but in actually I'm his acquaintance. Because Jesus called me to give up some stuff, and he said, I want some stuff from you, and I, I just don't give it to him. I want you to commit, deny yourself on some things, and I just don't deny myself. I want you to do some things. He wants, uh, so it's a friendship. Jesus, so Jesus tell me they should go back and forth. I asked Jesus for something. Jesus should be getting something back from me. Jesus wants something from me. Jesus wants me to speak to the homeless more. Jesus wants me to witness more. Jesus wants me to go out and share the gospel more. Jesus wants me to go help the poor more. Jesus wants me to do all that stuff more. But then I don't do it. But then I said, Jesus, can I have some more money? Jesus, can I have this? Jesus, can I have that? Jesus, can I do that? Jesus, can you bless my family? Can you do that? Can you do that? But yeah, Jesus, I'm your friend. In actuality, I know Jesus, I know we say Jesus is our friend, but I don't want to stay here too long, but Jesus called Abraham his friend, and we understand what Abraham did, though. Why did to be his friend? Abraham was willing to kill his own child for his friend. Abraham was ready to kill his own child for his friend. Sound familiar, right? Because Jesus, because God killed, God, God, God laid his own son down for his friend. So you gotta ask yourself, are we more of an acquaintance? Are we more of a friend? Let me leave that thing alone move on to the next one. Let me move that thing alone. So then, later in life, we got to realize that sometimes we messed up. So David realized he had messed up. You said, how did he mess up? He messed up because he, he should have kept some men back, mother. He should have kept men back at the camp to protect the camp. He didn't have to take all 600 men with him to go to the Philistine and go fight the Philistine when the Philistine already had a thousand chariots more than what Saul could handle anyway. But so David didn't pray about it because God would have revealed to David and said, Philistine, you got this. See how we quick, we quick to act on our instinct? We always lean on our own understanding. Sometimes our understanding let us down. And our understanding don't, 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 don't understand everything what's going on behind the scenes. So in life now, you got to always remember now that God always want to elevate you. He always want to elevate you. He always want to give you life. You just stay with that theme all day long. He want to give you life. He want to, and the enemy want to steal it. And the enemy, if the enemy had a way major, he would right now, he'll put my head down, he'll just kill, kill me if he could. But he doesn't do that. He tricks us. He deceives us through our flesh. And the enemy right now, the enemy, enemy want to take my, if I want to live to be 100 years old, the enemy say, just, you know you want to live to be 100, so just, just, but you ain't going to live to be 100, so eat what you want to eat. Do what you want to do. The enemy can't kill me, but he can tell me. He can trick me into doing it knowing I'll slow life down. Because I don't want to talk about that COVID vaccine so much because we worry about that COVID vaccine, which is good. But I think if we were to just worry about cancer more higher than COVID, if we would just take care of our body, prevent it from cancer, COVID would take care of itself. But I'm not saying, no, the enemy say, because I'm going to do it. I haven't got a chance. I'm going to shoot it and go back normal. But I always see that, God, what can I do to extend life? Because you gave me life and life more abundantly. 
All right, you're still here with me. So David was, so verse 6, David was distressed. Now in verse 6, they said David was distressed, and they said David strengthened his own self. But you got to understand this now, the way David strengthened his own self. 75, 75 of the 150 songs, 75 of them, there's only 150, David wrote. So 75 of the 150 psalms that one of them favorite just read, David wrote. So David strengthened himself in the Lord. David, even though everybody else was going through, David found strength in the Lord. But David found strength in the Lord not by praying one time. Listen what David did, 75. David was battle-tested, 75. It wasn't Psalm 23, I got strength. It wasn't Psalm 18, I'm good. 75. So David telling me right now in the, in the world right now that I got to be able to strengthen myself. I could call on other people, brother, but eventually I got to strengthen. When times are hard, I got to strengthen myself in the Lord. I can call on pastor. I can call on Sister Jess. I can call on JP. I can call on Lathan. They can motivate me and motivate me. But at the end of the day, I got to strengthen myself. And I don't strengthen myself just by reading one song. So next day, oh, oh yeah, time's good. Okay. Then David did this. When times are hard and we... In times of hard, in verse 7, verse 7, David said, everybody else crying. Because why are they crying? Why do men work? Because you want to hit man, you want to hit a man where it hurt, take mess with his family. See, they could have replaced the tent, the, the car, and all, all the replaceable. But when he took the when the men, when the men lost their family, it hurts. If you want to, anyone want to hit you hard, mess with your kids. If anyone want to slow you down, mess with your kids. And even want to put you in your track, mess with your kids. So the question is, if we know the enemy is going to go after our kids, are we praying for our kids? Are we teaching our kids? Are we covering our kids? Because the enemy knows I can't slow Latham down by messing with Latham. But if I mess with Latham kids and his grandkids, it's going to slow Latham down. So even though these men were mighty men of valor least, even though they were warrior least, but they couldn't handle the fact least they had seen death. They had seen death, but they could not handle the fact least that they, had, they did not have their children, that the enemy had stole them. So you got to figure out what's valuable. What's valuable in life? Life is valuable. If I could get you life to think about life the way you think about your children, you, we will, life will be great for you because you will take care of life. You'll be full of life because you're in it to win it. You're not in life to lose it. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. If I could get you there, that everything is valuable because things are valuable, Santel. Those are things that we worry about. Those are things that we go get. If we put value on people we don't know, you're going to get, you're going to search them. We don't value the homeless. We don't value the sick and say, we don't value those that are not saved. We don't put any value in it. That's why we don't set up. That's why we don't pursue it. That's why we don't ride. Because there's no value in it. But if your child were homeless, there's value in it. But all these are God's children. So it got to be value in it. You got to prioritize what's valuable and what's not. So David inquired of the Lord. And David inquired of the Lord. Now we knew David knew the Psalms. We knew David knew the Bible. We knew the David. We know David when they got the ephod. David said, look, priest, I need to do this for myself. But David didn't do anything unique because David had did it. David was doing it anyway. If you go to Exodus, I mean, you go to 1 Samuel chapter 23, David been inquiring of the Lord anyway. This is the first time David put the ephod on. 
So David, David said, listen, priest, I'm not going to worry about waiting on JP praying for me. Because here's what David said, and I like it, and I stole this, and I, I, didn't steal, I, got, I like what Tony Evans said about this. Tony Evans said this, and I give him credit. He said, he said there's, there's the written word of God. He called that national news. But he said, when you get a spoken word of God, he said, that's local news. So every now and then, you need to know what's local in your area. You don't care what's going on in Oklahoma. That's national news. But if the news hit four walls and you want to know, you say, where am I going with that? So a lot of times you hear people say, God's going to bless you. That's national. But sometimes you got to say, God, you got to tell me exactly how you're going to bless me. That's local. Come on my zip code, God, because you told everybody you're going to bless. You hear people say, God's going to bless me. God's going to do that. That's national. But if you ain't heard God told you local, that's where you want to get to. So David said, I need local news. I need no specific." how to go get these people. Because all of us got a prayer that we need no specific, God. You can give me scripture, God, and I can put them scripture together. But right now, God, I just need you to tell me. I just need to tell, just tell me what I got to do. Because I don't have time no more. I got the men behind my back. I got men want to kill me. They want to stone me. I love my wife. I love my children. I just need you to tell me, God. So when you look at how God, you look at David, we all have been in that position before. We pray a lot, all of us. But somebody said, God, I didn't need you to speak to me. And now we got to understand how God speaks to you. But that's another teaching that I can't get to right now. But I'll share, I'm not going to go deep into that. But you got to understand that God is your father. Watch this. Let's, let me make a plane for you. Ladies and gentlemen, daughter named Andrea. Father daughter. Andrea talks to you and say, watch this. Andrea needs something from you. But she comes to me. Mr. Perry, can you tell Lathan to get me this? That's, our, that's what we do. He's our father. Why do I got to go to Lathan to ask my father for something? Why in the world would you want anybody to go ask your father? Only, only reason I'll go, only reason that would happen to suggest that because me and my father don't have a relationship. That's because if me and my father have a relationship, then I need somebody else to speak for me. But if I got a close relationship with my dad, my children, you, you know your children? Your children don't send nobody else to come ask for stuff. Your children don't call 10 people and say, can you pray? Can you ask dad for me? Your children don't do that. Only time that happens if you got an strange relationship, and then you may get somebody to ask for you. So you got a question, when we always ask others, which is okay, but we all got to know to daddy. Others are going to ask you on my behalf, but I'm first. And let me tell you, daddy. Now, they're going to ask on my behalf because they, they care about me. But, dad, I'm not relying on them because me and your relationship just like this. He's your father. See, the biggest thing, man, the biggest thing you got to understand about God, and I'm, I'm detoured for two minutes on this one. See, the biggest thing is you got to understand about God is we got to get God out being a concept, saved of the cross, and not human. See, we see God more of a concept and not human as a person. So when you see God as a person, then you become more personable with him. But we see him as a concept. So as a person, you expect a person to talk to you. It's a person. You expect a person to sit down and say, hey, God, I used your name last night. He said, I didn't tell you to say that. You look for back. 
I got to get you, we got to get to the point that you don't see God as a concept and a theory, but as a person. As a person, like the brother said, a person. Because we always say, Lord thy God, Father thy God, but just talk to him as daddy. And just see him as daddy. But you don't see him as dad unless you get a close relationship with him. That would tell you whether he's dad or not. If not, he's just God, everybody God. He is just a God. He is my God. But he's my daddy too. Let's go. So David inquired. We got that. David inquired. And then and with God, what he told David to do? He said, David said, can I pursue? He said, can I pursue? Can I overtake? And can I recover? They asked three things, God, what can I do? And God came back to him and he said, David, pursue, overtake, and recover. And just where we are right now. Let's focus on that right there. Took me a while to get that. We got, we'll get to it. So when you look at life is pursuit. Pastor, this is what opened me up about my life this year. And, and this is my whole thing for the whole year I've been pursuing. And many people know that. Pursue, pursue, pursue. Because I realize I have destiny, brother, lady, and I realize there's a place I got to go. So let's make it plain for them. So pursuit, when I look up in a dictionary, record dictionary, they, it blew me away. They say, pursuit, overtake. In other words, if, if I pursue, expectation that I overtake. So anytime I say I pursue, there's an expectation that I'm going to overtake. I'm not pursuing just to pursue. So I'm not running slow. If I'm chasing you, I'm chasing you as fast as I can to overtake you. See, we have got ministry. We've got life to the point we're just pursuing, but we're not trying to overtake. We ain't trying to catch nothing. That'll preach. We're not trying to catch nothing, as the brother said. So now in your mind, I want you to go back. All those things that you lost and all those things that you, that you think you lost, you still can pursue. See, I need you to pursue better marriage. I need you to pursue better health. I need you to pursue better job. I need you to pursue better life. See, if you don't pursue it, you won't get it. Bro, you need to be up here. If you don't pursue it, you won't get it. And you look back on your life, for some reason, we stop pursuing. And then what happened? Let me tell you, we got no more pursuit in us. We become spectators, watch everybody else. There's no pursuit. You lost your pursuit. You lost your pursuit. You know, you, you know when you don't want to pursue, you, you, you got to have a pursuit. You got to have a pursuit. And you got to know what you're pursuing. So in this story, God say, you got to get your pursuit back. Next thing is say, okay, so let, let's follow David through. So now that you pursue, so, and so just again, I can look at many reasons why we don't pursue. You know, procrastination, pursue fear, doubt. We could go a thousand reasons why we pursue. Laziness, we could go many reasons we don't pursue. But I want to spend time there, but I want you in your pursuit now, I want to talk about some things that happen in your pursuit that you can expect. You can expect obstacles in your pursuit. But for your pursuit, though, you got to get ready. You got to get ready. You got to imagine what David did. When they told David pursue, now watch this, bro. That's why it was so interesting. David inquired to God because David didn't even know which way to go. He didn't even know direction. Could it possibly be that we're not pursuing because we don't know which way to pursue? Is it possible that we're in doubt on how we pursue because we don't know? Because that's slowing us down? Because if you're watching, now these people came out of the south. 
And they came out, I think it was Saul. They came from Saul. So David had a choice to go back the way he came, that way, that way. But God told him, pursue. But you got to believe that he told him other stuff as well. So then David sat up, and David rode up, and David got his boy. And the question is, David said, are you ready to ride with me? See, are you ready to ride with me to pursuit right now? Are you ready to buck up and ride with me? Are you ready to ride your pursuit right now? Are you ready to ride? Come on. Are you ready to ride? Are you ready to ride? Are you ready to watch me ride? Are you ready to ride? Are you ready to watch me ride? And talk about me when I fail through the ride, but I'm still pursuing. So let's go ahead. So David, David, boys, David, David, sat up, Latham, and then David went just as a jazz. And then they started riding all 600 men. And you know they had been tired, and you, but they, they were going to find their family. But David, he ran to the river, the brook. It will get interesting. So we know obstacles happen in our life all the time, sister. So the question is, what did you do with the obstacles? We know they happen all the time. What did you do? When obstacles came in your pursuit, what did you do? Did you keep pursuing, or did you take a step back and stop pursuing? I got to believe that some of us, including me, I don't do it no more, we stopped the pursuit. So that's just why I'm so happy, because God got me on pursuit. I won't share right now, but I already know what destiny is. And I'm pursuing it every day. I, I, I know it, and I see it, and he put it, 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 it puts people in my life every day to help with the pursuit. Let's go on. So we realized 200 men could not traveling land. Two of your men could not cross the river. So, Sister Jess, in your pursuit is enough for everybody to go with me. Can everybody travel with me? Some people come in your life for a season, they only can go so far. The problem with us is we want to take everybody with us. We want to take everybody with us. Sometimes God has told you to pursue, and you alone, and you want to bring everyone with you. Sometimes God gives you a vision, you want to bring everybody in your vision. Sometimes God gives you a dream, you want to tell everybody about your dream. But in actuality, he told you, and everybody can't go with you. Once you understand everybody can't go with you, you already, you already crossed the river. Because there's going to come some time to come with you. Don't, you don't want scared people with you. You don't want lazy people with you. You don't want nobody you got to pop up with you every morning, pop them up. Sister can you imagine every morning you got to motivate somebody every morning? And I know how you are, Sister Jay. That would frustrate you, Sister Jessica. I know if you got to frustrate, they can be 20 years old, but some just know if you got to mold, when that frustrates you, you say, I'll go without them. See, you got to be ready for the pursuit. Then you got to make sure who goes with you on the pursuit. Next thing is, at least watch this, at least watch this. So we know only two, they had 600 men, 200 couldn't go, they couldn't cross over, but what the men did do, they don't tell you in the text, is the men kept the supplies back. So watch this, Lee. David wasn't even able to take the supp his supplies across the river. So how David going to beat the Amalekites? If the hand I told that brother to preach this sermon. If the hand How is David going to beat the Amalekites? If the hand Now, most people would have said, I ain't going. Most people said, I'll wait on God. I'll wait on God. I'm just going to wait on God. I'm going to wait on God. I'm going to wait on God. Make a song out of that thing. I'm going to wait on God, wait on God, wait on God, wait on God. And many of us right now, we wait on God, we wait on God, wait on God, because you feel you ain't got a weapon. And you say, God, when you open the door, I'll go in, God, when the door opens. Man, faith. David kept going, Sister Jesse. Only the men that couldn't go, the, this weak men couldn't go, but they still were able to keep the supplies. And David kept going. 
See, even though it don't look good, because you go in your pursuit, sister, you're going to have things going on in your life not going to be good. It doesn't mean you stop pursuing. You're going to have tragedy in your life. You're going to have setback. You may, you may start a business and you run out of money. That don't tell you to stop pursuing. David ran out of supply. That, that don't mean you stop pursuing. Just because setback comes, that, that, that's a setup for God to do something. It don't mean you stop pursuing. So then David went on, then David said, then David, he crossed the brook. And we know when David crossed the brook, and we know that they got crossed 400 men from the Jets. But watch this, this is important, is that David just crossed. Heck, he knew where he was going. But who did David run into? And I didn't give you that in the text. But he ran into who? He ran into an Egyptian slave. Now, who in that world would know two things happened? This is important to understand. He ran into an Egyptian slave that had been left by the Amalekites, his master, three days. Now, who placed the Egyptian slave there, and who told David to go there? But also, more important than that, watch this. This is what got David, though, because they loved their neighbor. They stopped to help their neighbor. See the principle? Watch this principle. If you love God with all your heart first, your first and second command, and love your neighbor second, you're always in God's will. If you love God with all your heart, soul, and might, and you love your neighbor first, guess what? You're always in God's will. Because they could have not loved their neighbor and bypassed their neighbor, and they never would have got to. You follow me? So in the midst of your pursuing, you never stop loving God. You don't let your pursuit never trump God, never trumps your neighbor. You see where, see where I'm going? You follow me through? So watch this. So they, see the, they, see the young, they feed the, the, the Egyptian slave, and he was a slave, and they feed him. But he, they could have just disregarded. He was like homeless, mother. They, they, could, they say, look, we're in a hurry. I ain't got time to stop for him. Shame on him. But no. They stopped, and they brought him to him. Many times we see people that we look over, maybe the key to your next destination. Many times, we, the people we look over, maybe the key, and we talk about them, and we don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't talk about them. We just don't give, we don't value them. But yet, that was the most valued person on that trip. So then he tells David, he makes a vow, he tells, they feed him, and, they, and he tells David, guess what, and they're almost there. He tells David where the Amalekites are. And he takes them there. And we know, we know that. Watch this song. He takes them there. Now, David didn't have any weapons. But yet, what did he do? He smoked the Amalekites, four of them chased away Lynn, and David had 400 men. Watch this. David had 400 men. Amalekites had 400 young men that leave. So the Amalekites had to have more than 400, 400 left they couldn't get. And he defeated them, and he took everything, got his wife, kid, and family back, took everything they had. So the question is, are you ready to go get yours? Are you ready to go get your stuff back? Because the enemy have stolen some stuff from you. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to tired of settle and let the enemy steal your marriage? Are you happy with the enemy stealing your relationship, stealing your family, stealing your health? Are you happy with that? Are you ready to go get your stuff back? Your destiny is still intact. Your life is still intact. You are still somebody that God has called to a purpose. Are you ready to go get your stuff back? Back. If you're ready, go get your stuff back. Ride up, saddle up. Let's go get our stuff back.
time to run, tell, time to go get it back. Your dream's still there. Time to go get it back. Let's go get it back. And let's get it back and let's, let's pursue it. And in striving right now, God gave striving a vision. Pastor, let's get it back. Pastor, let's get this destiny back. Let's go get it. Let's go back and impact like we used to. Let's go get our stuff back. Let's go get that wow back. Let's go get that swagger back. Let's go get it back. Time to get that swagger back. Let's go get that. Let's go pop our chest and get it back. The enemy stole it. He stole it because we were complacent. Time was good. Everything was good. And the enemy stole it. That's why he steals marriages. We get complacent. And so when marriage is messed up, then we want to go exercise and we want to go do all that. We want to be reactive. The enemy, no, you cannot. You got to get your stuff back. You can't let them get your stuff. You can't let the enemy take your dreams. You can't let the enemy take your life. Don't believe that because the Bible says, the Bible says, you live what, three scores, three scores here? That don't play, that's national news. I believe local news telling me more than that for me. That may be national on average. But I don't believe I'm on the low end. I believe I'm on the high end. And now if you want to live that average, I'm 70 years old. It's time to go. Or you want to live, or you want, I don't believe that. Now if somebody else, I know, so I look at sad as young people dying. I said, maybe I'll live to 100 because we're going to rest this thing out. So I, I'm living my life because I believe that destiny is destiny is driven. I think destiny is there for you. You just got to get up, get energy, and go get it. It ain't going to happen by coming to church every Sunday and listen to one sermon after another. You got to do more than that. You didn't be, David did not be the Amalekite by one sermon. All right. Then David got it all back. Watch this. Then we close. Oh, I'm, I'm good. So David got it all back. But why this, Lisa? He got it. He got more than he asked for. But you know David was going to get it back. Watch this. Because God wrote the script. See, if you know God wrote the script, I don't care. Lee and I were watching Goodsmoke yesterday, and we were watching West. My mom, my mom here, mom, like a lot of Westerns. My mom watched a lot of Westerns, and my mom, wherever she, she's at home, she's 83, watched a lot of West at my house. And she watched Gunsmoke. And I say, man, they get ready to kill Matt Dillon. <laughs> then it hit me. No. You can't kill Matt. That's not in the script. The devil can't stop you. That's not in the script. It is not in the script. You got to believe the script. And you got to follow the script. The script says you, you should live and not die. The script says you can have everything you want for. You got to go follow the script. Oh, you, we can't do all these retakes. You got to get into the script. David, David tell me, the devil tell you no wolf tickets. Oh, you're going to die. Oh, you just and that and that. Oh, you're going to do that. Have you fear? No, it's not in the script. So he got everything back. And then he shared with the family. He shared with more and more and more. See, this was so good for you, Jess, and all the rest of us. 
He wants you to get it because he knows you're going to bless others with it. The devil don't want you to get it. See, here's the thing you got in life is, this is a good thing about life is, you could have been, and Kim knows this, we talk about this, you could have been born homeless. See, you don't know who you were born to. See, you could have been born homeless. You could have been born not mental right. You can, so God has equipped you with too much is given, much is required. See, you got to go back and look at what you, how, how you, because when you look at people that are less than, or you look at people that are less than, you need to think about, man, that could have been me. I don't know, because uh, I have no control who I was born to. See, Lynn know that when we did home, when Lynn, my, when, when I was a pastor, and Lynn, I did, we did a lot of homeless stuff with the homeless all the time, invite them to our house. Because this is what, you said, why did you do that? Why would I do that? Because I did that because of the kids. Even though the homeless people were dealing with drugs, doing all this stuff, I never gave up on them because the kids didn't ask to be born. I could have been them. I, that could have been me. See, you got to understand that. That could have been me. See, that's what I understand about the whole point. God gave David grace in the beginning because he didn't kill his family, and David extended grace in the end by giving it all back to people. See, if you don't get that, you don't get this, you don't get that. See, people, God, because you are, because who you are, God has given you so much talent and ability, and the only thing stopping you is you, but people are depending on you. And you can't believe that. Some people are depending on you. The enemy wants to think it's about me, myself, and I. And when Jesus said, love your Lord, that God, that, and your neighbor. But the enemy tells you, me, myself, and I. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. The enemy is lying. See, I want Sister Jess to be a, whatever sister, I want you to max out her best life. Whatever her best life is, somebody can get blessed out of her best life. Whatever your best life is, somebody gonna get blessed out of your best life. Faith, whatever your best life is, somebody gonna get blessed out of your blessed life. See, that's what you gotta understand. I am rooted for you because somebody's gonna get blessed out of you. Somebody gonna get blessed by your best life. See, some people can't help themselves. That's why we were here. If you look in this story, go back. Those 200 men could not cross the river. But yet the, the evil men, they wanted to say, no, don't give them nothing. But David said, no! I know what grace took me. It was grace that saved my family. It was grace that got me through the river. It was grace that caused me to be the enemy, the Amalite. It was grace, grace, grace. Because grace, I received grace. I must share grace. And I never stop sharing grace. When I'm tired, I'm sharing grace. When I'm sick, I'm sharing grace. When you don't feel like it, you share grace. When you don't mind, when someone's mad with you, you share grace. So we know David shared it all, and we know David's destiny was, and we know where David's destiny went. You know, David eventually, Second Samuel, Second Samuel major, David, David became king of Judah. In Second Samuel chapter five, David became king of Israel and Judah. So we know David's destiny was. See, all of us got a destiny, and the end will tell you at your age right now, at our age, that our destiny is over. Watch our grandkids. That's if they lie. All of us still have a destiny. Each and every one of them. I don't care where you are in Christ, brother. I don't care where you are. I still love you because you got destiny. I'm always going to encourage you. I'm never going to talk about you. I'm never going to put you down because I know you got destiny. And your destiny could be tied into my destiny. Closing out. So here's, so here's how I got here, Jesse. Here's, here, here's how I get here. Right. 
So the point of the matter is, so, I'm a, so God told me this, and I can die tomorrow, I pray God I don't, but I said, God, I want to live to 100. I did, I always tell him, I said, I want to live to 100. But what I knew, so this is what wisdom, well, this is what wisdom plot suggests. He said, he say, you want to live to 100, you got to change where you live. I just can't pray to live to 100. He said, I got to change the way I live. So then let me tell you a story. And this is a real story. So I said, Tara and Major, they know it. I said, Tara and Major, I say, I'm ready to go plant-based. 80%. And they got the text. And I said, can you help me? Because I know my pursuit. I know where God taking me. And Major said, Tara said, oh, yeah. And Major, both of them have been my children. They helped me, encouraged me, my mentors. But I'll tell you this. And this is our plant-based commercial. Since I started going plant-based, 80%, I'm not there. I want to get where major is, 100%. I'm going to tell you, brother, I have so much energy. Brother, I have not even had a chance to work out and still lose pounds. I'm going to tell you, my whole life has changed in the last month from doing this. I will tell you, I'm going to shoot you all a video on rim of a seven-year-old woman. And I'm not pushing plant-based, but she did. So she looked 40 in a bikini. Wearing a bikini, look 40. So what it is, what that tell you though, whatever you're gonna do, you just can't pray to the pursuit. The answer is you gotta go do it. You gotta change some things to pursue. It's just not gonna come down and happen. So what I did, Lisa, I realized this leads wisdom. And I got a minute, eight seconds. I realized wisdom. Wisdom's not hard, Lisa. The Spirit tells you, the God talks to you every morning and tells you what to do. We just make a choice not to do. It just say, it just, I got tired of least just fighting God in every part of my life. I just got tired of fighting God, faith. If wisdom tell me, this is good, this is better for me, then I say, oh, no, I don't believe it. No, wisdom tells me that. Just embrace wisdom. Just stop fighting wisdom. And your, our whole life's going to change. Trust me, don't fight wisdom. What you wake up and everything, I know God tells us everything to do, the right things to do. Don't fight it, right? So we may not like the word, but don't fight it, right? So suggest, don't fight it. Don't fight it. You can't win fighting it. You only can win by embracing it. We have to embrace wisdom. Let us stand. That's all I have. I'll start preaching another sermon. I want to make sure I stay within time. Let's stand. Here's where we are. Speaking of wisdom, here's where we are. So each and every person, we know right now that God has called us to different layers in our life. But I want to talk to people that are not saved right now, that are struggling with this salvation thing and not understanding who God is or what God's about. I understand that you're created for destiny. But you only can get that destiny if you hear from God. And so God wants to get into your life right now for those that are not saved. He wants to talk to you. He just wants to talk to you or by yourself. So if you don't know Jesus or you struggle with getting to know Jesus, Jesus is more of an acquaintance versus a friend, then this is the time to make Jesus your friend. But not more than a friend, make him your savior first, and then he'll be your friend second. So for those that 
need prayer or need be led to need prayer, or those that want to get to know Jesus today, I think there's a telephone number on the screen, 850-862-3899, or you can text for prayer. But right now, for those that need, those that want to be saved, I ask you text that number and just say, I want to be saved, and I guarantee somebody to get back to you. You don't have to say a word, just say, I want to be saved, and it get back to you. The next thing is, we end it to win it, right? So if we end life to win life, it, you can, we can, what I don't want sermons to become, because we've been doing this a long time, all of us, I don't want sermons to become a news cycle. What do you mean by news cycle? A news cycle is good this weekend, then we wait for the next weekend to get it. See, for those who are struggling, with get to know God and pursue the way you want to, and you know God gave you destiny, and God gave me destiny, and everyone knows that, raise your hand. I see my destiny people out there. I see my destiny people out there. The destiny. I pray right. I'm going to pray for you in the end. Those are desperate. Everyone. But if you need prayer in any part of your life that keeps you from achieving destiny, that keeps you from your purpose, whether it's pain, through sickness, through stress, through anything, that just raise your hand. Anything you need prayer for, just raise your hand. I don't even know what it is because I'm going to lump them all in one because God knows. If you don't want to pray with me, then again, you can call 850-862-3899 or you can check the text or you can text for prayer. Last but not least is appeal for striving. If for those out there that don't have a church, whether you're online in Baltimore, whether you're online in Cleveland, whatever, but those that want to connect with striving as a partner locally or whatever, that want a church that you can continue to grow with, feed with them, and you can get, and they want ready to ride to destiny with you because you know David didn't do it by himself. He had other men that went with him. Uh, you're looking for partnering up with a church that's ready to partner with you on your destiny. Uh, again, just text her, I want, I want a partner. And someone will get with you. Right. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you, Lord, for your time. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your people, God. God, you saw the hands and you saw the hearts of each and every person, God, here. And God, they realize, God, that they realize, God, that they learned some things from David, God, that they have to inquire of you, God, that we have to have a friendship with you, God, that we have to get to know you better. But God, they also realize, God, that they can recover some things too, God, that have been lost, God. And God, they can pursue some things, God. But God, they know it requires work. So right now, in the name of Jesus, God, and make them whole. God, be with them, God. Touch and anoint them, God. God, give them everything back that they, that they lost, God. But God, put them on a path for, for greatness, God, right now in the name of Jesus. And God, be with them, God, through their home, through their family, each and every person. So God, if we leave this place, God, we never leave your presence, God. We want to be with them, God, when they're not here, God. So God, be with them when they sleep, God. Be with them every place they go, God. And Lord, we know right now in the name of Jesus, God. And God, put on them, God. Speak to them as plain as you speak to me, as plain as you, a child speak to his son, or a child speak, a daughter, a child, I mean, a father speak to his son. Speak to them that clear, God. And God, so when they hear your word, God, that remember word from you, God, may they be blessed and run with it. In the name of Jesus, amen.